Hey guys, and welcome to season four of the Yes People podcast. I'm your host, Savia Rox, and in this season, we get to remember and reminisce back in time with some of our guests like... Hey, we are Entity. And you're listening to... The Us People podcast. With Savia Rox. Peace. My name is Oni. I'm a producer engineer from Queens, New York. Hi, my name is James Green. I'm a TV presenter, sports reporter and journalist. Hi, this is Joy Langley, and I'm the author of Navigating Stress. Hey, this is Travis Glossop. I am a creative radio your producer for KISS FM and you're listening to the Us People podcast with Savia Rocks. We highlight the strengths of our cultures talking about diversity and inclusion and speaking out loud and proud about who we are. It was never that good. I was I was determined. I had a love for the sport and that always fuels me. At 49, I was seven seven years post-divorce after 22 years and three kids of a marriage. And so I knew that I needed to figure out like what was happening for me and why was this so such a severe sort of uh, crack in my identity and how I showed up in the world. It's great. It's great. Because uh, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't really work that hard at uni. So it was good to leave uni and, and really like get on it, you know, really like, because I also as a person, I think I value, I value productivity. A lot of people live to work. I think I am one of the work to live guys, but because my work is amazing, that's all right with me. You know, so as a person, I, I go to bed happy when I've had a productive day. We've also saved the best till last by honouring another artist and showcasing their talent as our new theme song with none other than your host, Savia Rocks, featuring in their song. So guys, enjoy, stay creative and as always, please continue to be kind to one another. Let's go. Hey, my name is Dr. Naima. I'm a chiropractor, and you are listening to the Us People podcast with Savia Rocks. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Ask People podcast. I'm your host, Savia Rocks, and today I have the beautiful Dr. Naima here with me. Dr. Naima is an entrepreneur, a business owner, and the author of Rise, Raised as a Lie. So you have to get that right. Raised as a Lie. Doctor, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Ask People podcast. How are you? I, I am beyond blessed. And I'm really excited to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. <laughs> I am as well. So my first question for you is, could you tell me a bit about yourself, but also where you grew up and how that influenced you to be the person who you are today? Mm, that's a simple question. I'll just take a sentence or two. I am going to start from the back. We're going to reverse engineer this. I, at 49, I decided that it would be a really good time to have an emotional breakdown. And I, I think I played my role really well. Oscar award winning performance goes to me. At 49, I was seven seven years post-divorce after 22 years and three kids of a marriage, I started a relationship uh, and I thought that this was my firm, my forever guy. And when it ended abruptly and it left me on the floor, sobbing, feeling broken and almost unrepairable. I felt paralyzed and I couldn't get my feet underneath underneath me. And so I had spent all of this time succeeding and, and becoming super successful and building a practice and all the things. Um, and there I was laying on the floor 
mourning this relationship that hadn't even been in my in my life that long. And so I knew that I needed to figure out like what was happening for me and why was this so such a severe sort of uh, crack in my identity and how I showed up in the world. And so I needed some help with that and uh, admitting that I needed help was tough. So I sought out therapy and thank God I did because from there I actually started peeling back the layers of what made Naima Naima and what decisions had I made at a very young age and how that little traumatized girl was running the show of my adult life and it took about a year and in that journey of traveling through a bunch of painful memories and excavating emotions so that i could figure out like who am i today and how do i show up in the world turned into a book so the woman that you're speaking to now is sort of this evolved version 2.0 if you will and i'm pretty excited about that because growing up i felt invisible and when i didn't feel invisible i felt like i needed to be invisible and i you know there's an adage that children should be seen and not heard i've heard that and i thought that i shouldn't be either and going through therapy and writing the book really just sort of helped highlight how awful that is to be in the world and feel that way as a young person i was a little brown girl who grew up in an all white family and lived in all white neighborhoods and went to all white schools and i felt like an outsider my entire formative years and so to come to a place in my life where i had to figure out and redefine who i was and how then then i can come to a place where i can live out loud and outrageously vulnerable in in an environment that i sort of think that you as a black woman sort of put on this armor right like we've got to be these strong black figures all the time and when i finally figured out that i didn't have all the answers and and that armor was suffocating me is when i sort of gave myself permission to seek out help and it was a long journey and i'm not saying that it was easy and it wasn't pretty um but i am a i am a believer in holistic health and how we show up in the world and so as a chiropractor and as a entrepreneur right i serve people all day long every day and so my patients would come in and they would lay down on their stomachs on our chiropractic tables and when i was going through this like i was crying tears on their back in silence like i wouldn't let anybody see me cry like if they turned over i'd wipe my tears and i'd put a smile on my face and i'd hide behind a mask and now i just feel free of that and excited to embrace life as it comes and i don't feel like i like i need to hide anymore do you know that with you just saying that story you showed your strength your compassion and your kindness for yourself in the world today a lot of people don't understand what strength is strength comes in different ways and just because you cry doesn't mean you're weak tears are actually a form of strength they're a form of power they're a form of you not denying who you are as a beautiful individual every single culture in the world is beautiful every mix 
is beautiful. We all can embrace and learn things from each other. So what you've just done is you've let the world know, especially on this podcast, in the first question, that although you have been through so much in your life, you didn't deny it and you're not denying the fact that being weak is also a strength. And if anyone else is going out there with who feels weak, it's not weakness, it's strength. So thank you for sharing that just in the first question. Absolutely. I think one of my taglines now is vulnerability is my superpower. Mm-hmm. And that's how you have to see it. Everything is a strength. You just have to see it in yourself. So my next question ties into the one you've just had, which is when you look in the mirror, and this is so important. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? What does your reflection say back at you? But on the flip side of that question, has there ever been a time, which I'm sure there will be, where you have looked in the mirror and not recognized the person staring back at you? How did you come back to being the person who you are today, but also have that empathy, kindness and gratitude for yourself and the world? When I was 36, I was a mom of three and I'm standing in the bathroom and my middle child is a daughter and I'm attempting to do her hair. It's not a fancy hairdo, it's ponytails. That's it, it shouldn't be taking us very long. But she is screaming like I'm beating her or brushing her hair. And in charges the, he would have had to have been 10. He's chasing, the, my 10 year old son is chasing after the two year old. The two year old has something of him, of his, and they're screaming and they run through the bathroom all the way to the other side into the laundry room. There's a large basket of clean clothes. One of them hits the basket. The basket tumbles over into a big bowl of dog water. And so the clothes are everywhere. They're in the mix of the, the dog is charging after them. And I look up in the mirror and I can see the reflection of my face. And I remember thinking, you're not as far as long as a far as long as you thought you'd be. You're not as successful as you imagined at one point that you'd be. And there has to be more than just mothering these three children. And that's a thought that I would have never allowed myself to fully complete because I identified myself as a mom and as a good mom. And I was a stay at home mom and I had been a homeschooling mom and I was involved in these women's moms group that also identified themselves as such. And to not do so would then mean that you weren't a good mom. And my husband was counting on me to show up in this role. And I thought there has to be something more. In that moment, I gave myself to permission to feel the feelings because I didn't recognize the woman in the mirror. Since then, I have allowed the experiences that I have had the blessing to walk through bring me closer to myself. And this is what I know at the rate, ripe, what am I, 51, ripe old age of 51, <laughs> that I am the highest expression of the creator my existence in the world as 
all of us have is to go out and bless the world with gifts and talents and my purpose that I have inside. And I try very hard to re-remind myself how important that is and to ground myself in gratitude. Now, of course, I forget like a whole bunch. But when I look in the mirror, what I see is a woman pursuing her passion and her purpose. And I have learned to give her grace. There's something that I don't normally ask this question so earlier in the show. But I want to ask it because it's important. Okay. How important is forgiveness? Not just for... The easy part is forgiving someone else. And I know that sounds controversial sometimes. Please understand. I know you're going to understand this. The easy part is forgiving someone else. The hard part is forgiving ourselves. How do you feel about forgiveness? And what has forgiveness done in your life? Because it can change us in so many different ways. And I've seen it happen to so many people when they don't have forgiveness and when they do. But what does forgiveness mean to you? Oftentimes, I think that people associate forgiveness with forgetting. Right? If I forgive you, that must mean that I forget for the things that you did or that yourself did. But the adage, holding on to anger, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I look at forgiveness now in this way. The greatest gift that we can give the world is to love ourselves. And sometimes you have to treat yourself like she's a very fragile child. You're just going to love her and you're going to speak kindly and gently and encouraging so that you can go out into the world and live your, your true purpose, right? I look at forgiveness as an opportunity to exercise a muscle that we don't often utilize, and that's just grace for ourselves. And that has taken a long, long time. I mentioned earlier that I have three children, my middle one being my daughter, she she is my lesson manifest. She is a teacher for me in the way of how can I love and forgive myself for all the shortcomings and to truly embody the saying that I was doing the best I could when I did it as much as I knew at the time. I used to tell my mother, who was also feeling very guilty about not telling me about my heritage when we were adults, that you did the best that you could, mom, for what you knew at the time that you knew it. At any given moment, I feel like that we're all doing our best. Like, I mean, Loki, sometimes you might feel like, yeah, there might be something better I could give and bring to this situation. But for whatever reason, you're not. Maybe it's just you're more tired in that moment. But whatever it is, my true belief is that we are doing our best in any given moment. So if I believe that about everybody else, I would have to then give myself that same grace, why would I treat myself so much more harshly than I would a stranger? 
And that has taken me a long time to just embrace. And when I look in the mirror now, especially in the mornings, I'm just like, hey, girl, I love you. (laughs) I like that. And that is the outcome that we all want to achieve is that I love you. You are great. I am grateful for you. You make me happy. I feel at peace with you. These are all the things that we as individuals would love to conquer in each one of us. So let's talk about your writing and your book because this is one of the biggest things that I think you should share with everyone and everyone would have the gratitude of listening to. So on your journey of writing your book, I say this to a lot of writers, when you are writing down your book, there are things that we cannot take back. Okay. (laughs) And this is a dangerous thing when we decide we are going to pick up a pen, typewriter, computer, doesn't matter what it is, and start writing about our lives and give that to the world to manifest and read and it's there forever. When you decided to write your book, was there anything that, not that you regret writing, it was more about, was there anything that you think, oh boy, this is going to be there for the rest of my life and people are going to read this for the rest of my life. Is there anything that sticks out for you in your book that sometimes either brings a tear to your eye, either makes you worry and think that a little bit more, that you'll think 20 years down the line that I could have, should have, would have done that differently? The writing process was a really interesting one for me. I was never even a journaler. I didn't believe that I could actually write a book. And the most perfect opportunity presented itself in the way of this cohort um, that was developed and created um, by a professor at Georgetown University. And Professor Custer developed this Creator, Creator Institute so that his students would have something tangible at the end of the semester. And he had, I think, maybe three years of classes, and then he opened it up to non-Georgetown students. And and that's when I became involved. And I think it was the greatest opportunity because I wouldn't have said that I was a book writer. And so having the opportunity of somebody to hold my hand for every stage of the process allowed the book to actually come into fruition. So the direct answer to your question is no. In 20 years from now, the only thing that I would do differently is be a better writer. But I did the best I could at the moment and with the skill set that I had at the time. Sometimes I do readings, right, just little inserts from the book um, at an event. And I, I don't tell anybody, I correct the typos because there's typos. There are (laughs) things in there. I'm like, what the hell is that word even doing there? (laughs) Outside of that, in 20 years from now, that's going to be my answer. Or at least I hope it is. So this is the other part, though, talking about being outrageously vulnerable. I wrote a collection of stories and I had an editor help me put those in, I was going to say a sequential order, but it wasn't. Let's just say a, a bigger picture of one story, right? And when all of the stories were put together and there was this book, that I had written each one of these stories, mostly in my bedroom, alone, by myself. Nobody around. 
Now I'm about to hit send. And now everybody is going to know. But some of those stories, I have never told a living soul. And so I just didn't know, like, how are you going to feel being this vulnerable in that space? And I have to be honest and say that there were so many moments of me just taking very deep breaths. And it still happens today. There are a few stories in there that I wish that nobody knew about me. And that's the truth of it. But I also know those are the stories that connect me with the people that need to be connected. And so I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that I wrote them. I am grateful that I cried all of the tears and experienced the anguish so that I could write the stories. And now it's just out there. And it feels like a little bit of a legacy, a legacy, right? Like my children are going to go out and do in the world all the things that they're designed for. But that's their legacy. That's not really mine. That's true. But there is this tangible thing that's now out in the world that I left behind. And that's pretty dope to me. So I'm going to take that big win for me. And I'm going to be okay with the vulnerability. I think you should embrace that. I think that's something to embrace. As I was reading even the introduction to your book, there were parts where you said, well, not you said, where you heard or someone else said, you know, your dirty skin, your hair. And to me, I am of mixed cultures. Okay. And I see, like I said before, every culture as beauty. The question I want to ask you, although these people are saying these disgusting things to you that can bring you emotional and physical pain without even touching you, as I know myself, do you not feel somewhere down there that there is a thing that they are threatened by? but also intimidated by, because you are different, you would be the first person that people would look at. Because if you put a bunch of people together, an example, a culture together, and they're all the same, and then you put one person who is different in the middle, you instantly stand out. People want to know who you are, where you come from. Why are you here? Okay, let's talk to you. Which can make the rest of the crowd for threatened why aren't they talking to me I know that in your book you talk about vulnerability emotional pain what people have said to you and how it makes you feel but do you ever think in your mind because you were the one that was different they felt more threatened by your presence of your beauty and your culture rather than using their anguish to take their anguish and pain that they have within themselves out on you. I did not believe that at at any point until I became an adult. Okay. I didn't experience that and I didn't believe that about myself. I'm 51 and there are moments where a man will say, "Damn baby, you fine." And I have to look around, like, who's he talking to? And then I have to re-remind myself, like, oh, because there is this very real sort of ingrained thought process that is always sort of ticking away that you sort of have to be aware of so that you can enter a new dialogue. 
right? And I think that I had heard from such an early age that I was ugly and that my skin was dirty. And then living, so that's traumatic, right? That's one end of it. But then living in your formative years in places and going to schools and attending churches and all the things where nobody ever looks like you. And then you're not celebrated. Like I was just invisible. And so sometimes, even today, I'm surprised that people recognize me. Not me for me, because I'm not famous. Not yet. But like, just to see me in a crowd or with a group of friends, right? Like I'm like, oh, and not because I think I'm ugly. It's just that sometimes I'm like, oh, do I look different? Do you, do you see something different? Like, I just think I'm average but not in a negative way. Like I love myself, but I'm often surprised and blessed. Listen, to be clear, I know that pretty power exists. <laughs> and let me tell you, I will use that pretty power whenever possible. As a business as a business owner, like there are things in my office that break and I don't know how to fix, and you, the fix it guy, are coming. Yeah, girl, I'm a flirt. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, Oh, can you help? And they do. It's the truth though. Right? It's the truth. I love that. That's not wrong. <laughs> no, it's not. I've seen it abundance of times. It works. Kindness and flirting are two of the most powerful things that you can have. And it can make you get anything. I can't believe I'm saying this. It can make you get anything that you want in life. Because it's so sad to say this. Kindness is quite rare right now. Mm. You know, kindness and compassion. These two are quite rare right now. The flirting isn't so rare, but the other two are. <laughs> the other two are. The the flirting is the bonus, but I totally understand. I totally understand where you're coming from. One of the most important questions I would love to ask you is: How do you feel about the next generation, especially with women? The reason why I ask that is because women of all cultures—I can't even say one are dealing with a constant battle when it comes to mental illnesses and trauma that they've had in their lives, especially growing up. How do you think that we can change this as women and a nation to make it better, but also help women understand that their trauma can actually be turned into them evolving to be a great person within themselves? What I believe is that we are all responsible for how we show up in the world. My belief system says that the world has nothing for us and that we have everything for the world. We are born with the gifts inside of us and it is our job to tune into those so that we can bless the world. We should not have our hand out, not to receive. We should have our hand out to give. That, what, that which is inside of us needs to come out. Les Brown says that the most, uh, richest place on earth are the cemeteries yes. because that's where all the place that's the place where all the dreams went to die and i believe that you can let your dreams die within you but i also believe that what you can do is live your dreams out loud 
So as it applies to mental health, while I am a doctor, I do not play a psychiatric doctor, not even on TV. But I think that it is so critical to get quiet and to get still and to connect with your source, whatever that looks like. Because in the stillness is where you find yourself. Because we get lost in all of the externalness of life. There's so much that's vying for our attention. I think that the stillness is where the magic is. To this day, meditation and stillness is how I start my days. And how then can young people bring their gifts forward, find the mental peace in all the chaos? We're all so connected, right? And and you've got access to yourself 24-7, 365. There's never a moment in the day that you can't pick up a device and connect to a half a million people, half a million people. Or you can turn off all your devices, set everything down, and to get still within yourself. That isn't the sole answer for how you approach all of mental health. But I do believe that's how you get centered. And that's where you find your true empowerment, your purpose, and your own voice. You got to quiet the others so that you can hear what your calling is on your life. That's a beautiful answer. That's definitely something that I would resonate to. I think a question that connects to your answer would be, if there was one question that you would love people to ask you that nobody ever has asked you before, what would that question be and why? Savvy, I'm so glad you asked the easy questions. I love my job. A question that nobody has asked. Sometimes in our minds where we are in, it could be a happy space, a positive space, a negative space, a a down space. It doesn't matter what space it is. Sometimes in our lives, we just wish that somebody would ask us a question that we have the answer to. But because nobody's asked us that question, we can't resonate and say it to them. A lot of them, I've had the simplest ones, for example, when I ask that question to somebody else, somebody says, how am I? And I don't mean, how are you? I mean, like, really, how are you? There are two different ways of saying, how are you? There is one, how are you? And you just walk past, right? And you just say, yeah, I'm fine and I'm good. But then there's another one by saying, how are you? And really feeling the person's energy go right through you for them to really understand how you are feeling. They want to know how you are feeling. Once you can get that resonant energy through you, then you know that person is being genuine. I I love that. I think your answer is far better than mine. So mine's going to be super simple. And I love I love to ask this question. And so I would want somebody to ask me, because like Loki, I'm probably a bit of like narcissist. I love to talk about me. So I would want somebody to ask me, what am I most excited about right now? And this is the reason. If we spend far more energy talking about the things that matter, that truly matter to us, 
then we connect with other people in that space. And I think that that is so dope. I like when people ask, when I ask people rather, what are you most excited about right now? Sometimes they give me superficial answers, a little bit like, how are you? But I really want to know, tell me about your dreams. Tell me about the thing that gets you excited. Tell me about the thing that you would love to get paid to do. Like, I want to know that. I want to see people's eyes light up when they talk about something that matters to them. And so I would want somebody to talk or rather to ask me so that we can engage in that energetic exchange. I can't wait to release this because I hope that question gets, you know, asked to you about a million times now. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't actually wait for that. So when was the last time that you felt totally at peace with yourself? It's 3.45 my time. Six hours ago. Oh, I like that. I was sitting at my happy place. So I live near a river and there's a trail. And so I take the dog hiking along the trail. I bring this little chair with me. We sit on this giant boulder and we look out over the river. And it's in the middle of a forest and it's beautiful and it's quiet and everything is right with the world. And every morning I go out there to re-remind myself of the abundance of beauty and joy and love that are all right there. They're always around us, surrounding us. We just have to notice them. And then my favorite activity to do is to expand it, to expand that feeling and know that every time you look at a tree, that's God bragging. Hey, I like that sentence. That's good bragging. I might have to put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. I swear I would. (laughs) I love it. That is so cool. (laughs) So I'm going to ask a really random question. So I'm going to say a number of words and I would love for you to tell me which ones resonate with you that you would like to speak about. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Let's go. So you have power, perception, culture, judgment, class, privilege, diversity, race, uh, prejudice, love. Hurt, betrayal, racism, and politics. Which one sticks in your mind and which one would you like to talk about that resonates with you? Hope. Hands down, the moment you said it. Hope is the greatest gift that we can give ourselves, that we can share with others, we can expand in our lives. We can stand on, we can stand in, we can surround ourselves with, and we can share. That's good enough for me. Was there any other ones that stood out for you? No. I mean, they're all great words because you can make something energetically be a blessing and be a lesson. I just happen to vibrate so much with hope. No, that's good enough for me. That makes more than enough sense for me. If there was one quote that represents you as a a person, what quote would you choose and why would you choose that particular quote? Uh, Pain pushes you until your vision pulls you. Oh, that's a good one. That's an amazing one. (sighs) I wish I had said it. (laughs) well you did it doesn't matter now yeah it doesn't matter now what is the best advice you have ever received from somebody and how has it helped you in your life 
I get quiet, get still. Because here's the thing. All the answers reside within you. You just think you don't know, but you do. I like that. I'll take that one myself. I only have two more for you. And my last two is if you had advice for any, and I always say this to people, I don't have any, but you do. For any of your fans, listeners, or anybody who's ad- who admires you as an individual and a person, what advice would you give them about them being their authentic self, loving life, and just being at peace with themselves, especially sometimes when you feel like you want to give up? What would you say to them? Life is a cycle. We have a myriad of emotions. We are supposed to experience all of them. We have somehow deluded ourselves that we should only feel happiness and joy. And that is inaccurate. We have all of the emotions because we are a full spectrum being that need to experience all of them. There is a time and there is a place. And to the degree that we embrace all of the emotions and don't make any of them wrong, there's not a judgment. They just are emotions. And the easiest way to reset and re-remind yourself of whom and to whom you belong is to get quiet and to get still and to make that a daily practice. Yeah, that has wisdom of gold. Okay. And my last one for you is, for anybody who would like to get in contact with you, buy your book, get in touch with you, find out more about what you do, or just be in your space or energy, (laughs) as I say, where can they find you? Awesome. So I'm on IG at Dr. Naima Writes and um, raisedasalie.com is a website where you can find out like all the finding, the, what is that? The the uh, uh, comings and goings of me. And we're about to release my website. Um, that's just called Dr. Naima. And I can't wait because that's a compilation of all the things and i'm really excited that's the, what are we we're in july so that'll be in august <laughs> i like that yeah. <laughs> dr naima i want to thank you for taking your time to come on the Us people podcast show but to also show your vulnerability your kindness your compassion and your forgiveness for yourself and life and for everybody else too I want to thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you and have the most gratitude for you. Thank you. You're more than welcome. Guys, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Ask People podcast. And please remember, you can subscribe and leave your review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and any other platform that you prefer listening to. Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also donate to the Ask People podcast by simply going to the Savio Rocks website or just type in paypal.me forward slash Us People podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Stay happy, stay positive, and as always, please continue to be kind to one another.
peace of mind. People say that having a peace of mind is trying to find a consistency of calmness within ourselves, to crave for a clarity that drives us through our emotional journey of life, to never let a person's judgment manifest into a fear inside of us, learning to believe in our ability to shine through the darkest moments and tunnels when we cannot see the light. Patience being our light for forgiveness and strength, to believe in our destiny. If you want real peace of mind, one needs to stop fighting their inner thoughts and embrace them with love, because love is the most amazing and beautiful strength that we have to conquer our peace of mind. Make your thoughts impact a nation by keeping them true and honest, especially to yourself, but make your peace of mind protect you when you don't have strength to embrace anything else. Find your peace of mind by listening to your heart. Peace of mind, gotta keep my energy in peace of mind. I protect my energy in peace of mind. Gotta keep my energy in peace of mind. Peace of mind. Yay! Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. It was a great conversation. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Gotta keep my energy in peace of mind. I protect my energy in peace of mind.